Now today we're going to get back on track with our prayer series, although the, the subject we're going to be talking about even in prayer is very timely uh, in, 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 in this time, and it's going to be talking about wrapping up the Lord's Prayer. And we call it the Lord's Prayer, and that's kind of funny because it's really not the Lord's Prayer. It's a disciple's prayer. It's what the Lord said, this is how you should pray. And it's really not, I don't know how he prayed as much as he's telling us as his children, his disciples, this is how you ought to pray. And that's what he was doing in Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to read the whole thing again just to get the whole thing in our mind here in the Lord's Prayer or, like I said, the disciples' prayer in chapter 6 there, verses 9 through 13, which says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now today we're going to focus on that last line. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. How are we led into temptation? How do we handle temptation? This is very important. And again, like I just said a moment ago, this is very timely. Because right now there's a lot of temptation going on. A lot of temptation in our society, a lot of temptation in our lives. And the idea of making decisions for my life, the idea of what am I going to do, how am I going to live, who am I going to be, so much of it in our society, so much of it in our community and in our culture is based upon what I want, what I feel. That idea is so popular and it's held out so much as that's what I use to make my decisions. So many are led into monumental decisions, huge decisions on their life based upon emotion, based upon passions, based upon feelings. Decisions about who shall I marry? Decisions about will I end this marriage? What do I do with this? How do I do this? How do I treat this person? All based upon emotions and feelings and what is going on. We have these stupid sayings that are so prevalent is, I've got to be true to myself. I've got to keep it real. I've got to be me. And my favorite, the heart wants what the heart wants. And when I think about these things, and yeah, I called them stupid statements because they're said to justify as if my heart wants what my heart wants. That's true, but that doesn't necessarily mean what my heart wants is what is best. Be true to myself. Well, okay, that might be so, but being true to what I want may not be what is best for me. And I'm tempted. And these temptations are always coming up. And James even tells us in James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, that says that each person is tempted when they are dragged away and enticed by their own evil desires. Our own feelings, our own emotions, our own being true to ourselves. That's what's dragging us away. That's what's tempting us. And it says when that desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And so we see that through that message, lead us not into temptation, 
We want to talk about that temptation. Now, when I read that line, lead us not into temptation, it immediately brings up the question, why would I ask God uh, not to lead us into temptation when I already know he would never do that? That verse we just read, James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, the verse right before it, James chapter 1, verse 13 says, when you're tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. Because God can't be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. It's not God that's doing the tempting. So if God doesn't tempt us, why do I need to pray, lead me not to temptation? Well, to answer that question, we kind of got to get into a little bit of of Bible nerdery. uh, As we look into the Greek New Testament, what James actually wrote in when he wrote this verse. And I mean, I'm sorry, what uh, uh, Matthew wrote in. When he was writing and quoting Jesus in his Lord's Prayer. Now here's that verse that lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from it. This is what it looks like, okay? You look at it and you go, holy smoke, there's no punctuation. There's no spaces. It's all there. And that's what the translators have to work with. And punctuation is very important to us. It helps us glean and understand meanings. I'll give you an illustration. How about the saying, let's eat grandma? Without the comma, it's let's eat grandma. But if you have the comma, you say, let's eat grandma. Punctuation saves lives, at least grandma's life. And so when we look at this verse, we're used to seeing it as it's translated in our translations, lead us not into temptation, comma, but deliver us from the evil one. But what happens if we move that comma just a few spaces and it says rather, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If we look at it that way, it changes the meaning entirely. It changes the meaning to Lord, lead us not into temptation, but, but deliver me, lead me away from temptation, lead me away from the direction that I naturally will go if I'm on my own. A great example of this comes from uh, Max Lucado's, one of his books called The Great House of God. And the illustration has a man who's in the, in the dead of winter, he's walking down the street with his young son, maybe five years old or so. And of course, He tells his son, be careful because, you know, there could be some icy patches here on the sidewalk and that could be really dangerous and you could slip and fall. But the kid's five years old and he's just running and playing and being a kid and he's going along and everything is great until all of a sudden, boom, he hits that icy spot. The feet go up, the bottom goes down and, you know, there he is. And he's crying and and dad runs up and helps him up. And then the kid holds and he said, dad, hold my hand. And keep me away from the slippery spots. Don't let me fall down again. Keep me away from the slippery spots. Lead me, not to temptation. Something the Father would want to do anyway. Keep him away from the slippery spots. Don't let me fall. Something the Father would never intentionally do anyway. You see, if we read it this way, that line is completely different. And the key words become those first two words. Lead us. Lead us. Who's leading your life? Who determines your decisions? By whose standard do you follow 
in your life, in your marriage, as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, just as a man, as a woman, who leads your life? Do I let God lead me? And do I trust His guidance? The challenge with trusting God's guidance and His leading is, is when I follow my own thoughts and my own desires, it just seems so right. It feels right. And, and when I'm trying to go, well, what do I do? Do I go with God? Or do I go with what I feel in my heart is right? And that's that challenge. But it dawns on me after my life of many times of falling and on the ice, slipping, I can't trust my thoughts. I can't trust my desires. I can't trust my feelings, regardless of what pop culture or pop psychology may tell me. I can't trust it. How many times have I gone after and, and, and followed what felt right to me? What felt good? What I wanted? What I desired? And I follow that and I end up in pain and destroying my life, destroying my relationships. I'd be true to myself. Well, that was true, but I would be end up messing up my life. And I've proven to myself over and over again, if I just stick to my own understanding, if I just stick to what feels right to me, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to slip and fall on the ice. And God, as a loving father, has been trying to tell us this for millennia. Going back even to, to, to Proverbs 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Why? Because your own understanding can mess you up. And it can feel right and feel good, but it's not always accurate. Trust in the Lord. Well, I don't know if the Lord, is that right? Is that good? Trust in the Lord and don't lean on your own understanding. Or a little bit later in Proverbs 12, verse 15, the way of the fool seems right to them. Okay, but the wise listen to advice. That just says it right out. That's the problem. It feels so right, but that's not the gauge we use. Why not? Well, Jeremiah told us in his book, in chapter 17, verse 9, he says, Look, guys, the heart is deceitful above all things, and it's beyond cure. Who can even understand it? And I've proven that true in my life. My heart will deceive me. It will lead me to what I think I want, but ultimately, it's the very thing I hate. Paul said it. He goes, guys, I don't get it. Why is it that the very thing I don't want to do, I keep doing? And the things I want to do, I don't do them. My heart, I don't get it. Why do I do this? Paul wrestled with it. Jeremiah wrestled with it. Solomon wrestled with it. I wrestle with it, and I know you wrestle with it. And Jesus is telling us right here, God is calling to us. He's saying, listen, listen to him. Lead us, not into that direction, but into this direction, your will. Guide us, God. And he says, guys, listen to me. I want to watch over you. I want to take care of you. I want to hold your hand and help you avoid the slippery spots. And he's done it all throughout Scripture. He did it with Israel physically when he led them out of Egypt and he led them by the cloud in the day and the fire at night. He gave them the 
Ten Commandments and all of those things. And he says, look, if you listen to my commands and obey them, you'll be blessed. And we get all hung up about that word command. You know, we don't, I don't like commands. I don't like rules. But that's really not even what God is saying. God was saying, if you let me guide you, if you let me hold your hand and help you, if you listen to what I say, you'll avoid the slippery spots. You won't slip. You won't fall down. You will be blessed. This is communicated so well in the 23rd Psalm. When it says, the Lord is my shepherd, that means the Lord leads me. The Lord guides me. The Lord tells me where to go. So what happens? Well, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't have any needs. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me and guides me in paths of righteousness. Or as another translated translation puts it, he leads me in the right way. What is he saying? If the Lord leads you, there are blessings. He'll take care of you. There's some great advice from uh, David's son, Solomon. And it was found in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1. And Solomon said, Guard your steps when you go into the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. When I read this, I mean, it's obvious, draw near to listen, not to offer the sacrifice of fools. And I think, well, what is a sacrifice of fools? Well, that's those who go to the house of God. They come to church. They log into our virtual service. They enjoy everything. They sing the songs. They love the fellowship. They say, praise God, but they're not listening to God. They're not letting God lead them. They may praise God, but Solomon said, listen, draw near to listen, draw near to learn, draw near to get to know God. I think he learned that from his father, who was known as a man after God's own heart. And he learned through bitter experience what happens when I don't let God lead me and what happens when I do let God lead me. Psalm 16 is an incredible psalm. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but if you got time, go back and just read it. It's, it's not long. I think the whole thing is 11 verses. I'm only going to pick up the, the last few verses, 8 through 11. But David said, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him... At my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will be secure because you will not abandon me in the realm of the dead. You will not, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. And you will fill me with the joy in your presence, with the eternal pleasures at your right hand. I keep getting back to this imagery of God saying, I'll hold your hand, son. I'll keep you from the slippery spots. I'll keep you from falling down. If we say, lead me, not to temptation, the slippery spots, deliver me from the evil one. It was when David strayed from this, when David took his eyes off of the Lord, that he got into the most trouble and almost destroyed his life and destroyed his kingdom. 
And he learned through bitter experience the truth of the words that he said later in Psalm 119. In verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path, that imagery. Your word illuminates. It shows me how to go. It shows me how to navigate the temptations that hit me every day. So how does God do that? Well, he says it right there, your word. And that is one of the primary ways. I mean, there are many ways that God leads us. And we can talk about those at another time. Right now, though, I mean, one of the most obvious ones is the word of God. When we read God's word, when we hear God's voice, we learn who God is. We learn his character, the principles that guide us. And I'm not just talking about the commands, but really seeing the word and letting it go deep into our hearts. We learn, what's God really like? Where is he leading me? The Bible is so much more. The majority of it is not commands and do's and don'ts. The, more, the majority of it is giving us insight into our Father who's trying to lead us and guide us, not to temptation, but to deliver us from the evil one. And he uses the word to do that. When Jesus was tempted, when Jesus was tempted by the devil, all three times he quoted Scripture. He knew the word was leading him away from those temptations. So you've got to ask yourself, do I trust the Lord? Do I trust his word? Or do I lean on my own understanding? Do I know the word? Or do I lean on my own understanding? Am I spending time in the word? Or am I just leaning on my own understanding? The next building block in our series is going to be the Word of God. And we're going to get to that because it is so important. Because we must know the Word and we got to rely on the Word to guide us, to lead us. Because so many times we're trying to fight this battle on our own. We remember that verse in James chapter 4, verse 7, when it says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And that's awesome. But so many times, because we don't know the word, we think, all right, I've just got to, by brute self-determination and self-control, resist the devil and he will flee from me. And we don't understand that before that line, before that sentence in James 4, 7, it says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and then he will come near to you. That's what we talk about. We've got to understand, lead me not to temptation, not give me the strength to resist the temptation. I'm saying, God, God says, I, I want to lead you in paths that you don't even, it was going to completely limit your temptation. Now we're going to be tempted in this world and that's going to happen. The devil may tempt us, but I decide who I submit to. I decide if I'm going to give in to that temptation or not. See, sin is not the temptation. Temptation is temptation. And Jesus was tempted, yet was without sin. And I decide, am I going to submit to God or am I going to submit to the devil? Am I going to yield to the temptation or am I going to stand up to the temptation? Sin is when I give in to, not the sin, but when I give in to not letting God lead me and taking control myself. So Jesus said we need to pray. 
Lead me, God. Lead me. Because you know what? I'm going to get into temptation. I want you to lead me not that way. Lead me another way. Help me. Deliver me from the evil one. And that phrase, evil one, that's not the evil. We, we reserve that word evil for the worst of the worst. I mean, some people would say that's a bad person. That person, they've done, they did horrible things. They had no character. They had no conscience. We call them a sociopath. But for the truly, truly bad, we don't, they are evil. They're just evil. There's no redeeming character or social value. And that's a strong word. That's the word we use for Satan. He's just evil. Now, he's not equal with God. Don't give him more credit than he deserves. He's not as powerful as God. He's not as great as God. And even God said in 1 Corinthians 10, no temptation has overtake you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, God is going to provide a way of escape for us. Satan can't make you do anything. God says, I'm more powerful than him, and I'm going to make sure he's not going to tempt you beyond what you can bear. And besides that, I'm going to provide a way of escape. What I need to do is say, God, lead me to that way of escape. Lead me away from the slippery spots. Satan can't make me do anything. Now, what he loves to do is he loves to trick me into deciding to do that, to deciding to go the wrong way. He likes to turn the truth into lies. He likes to turn the lies into truths. He likes to take things and twist them just a little bit to get us to go to the slippery spots, thinking that's where the fun is. And sin is not trivial. It's not a small thing. Ooh, I messed up. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not a trivial thing. And that's why Jesus says, you need to pray. God, lead me away from it. As much as I can, God, help me. These past two or three weeks, many I know have struggled with the temptations of giving in to hate, of giving in to anger, fits of rage, prejudice, divisions, dissensions. Now, there's sin all over. There's sin all around, but these have been very public and these have been very real struggles right on the surface for many of us. The question is, how have you dealt with it? What do you use to guide you through this temptation? I had a conversation with a, a brother last week that was talking about those who were saying, look, don't tell me, don't, don't get out the Bible to tell me how to act. I don't need the Bible to tell me what to think. I know what's right. And it wasn't surprising. I was saddened to hear that, but it wouldn't surprise me because I've had people say that to me. I've had people tell me, don't even quote that to me. I don't want to hear that. I'm going to lean on my own understanding on this one. I'm not going to trust God's word. And that's a very dangerous game to play. Because now I'm walking, I'm walking among the slippery spots. God, lead me away from temptation. And delivery, deliver me from the evil one. The challenge is, often... When we need God the most, when we need Him to lead us away the most, is when we desire Him the least. Because we're caught up in our emotions and feelings. And we don't want to be bothered with God telling us there might be another way. 
So as we pray, and as we constantly pray, we remind ourselves who God is and who we are, what God's role is and what our role is. And this is why this entire prayer is wrapped up in this message, who God is. And it reminds me to be submissive to God. Let's look at the Lord's Prayer again, the whole thing as we review it. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This part talks about God. God is over all. He is in heaven. We are on earth. His name is holy. It's His will that needs to be done. It's His will that needs to be obeyed. Give us this day our daily bread. It reminds us we rely on God every day, even for our physical needs. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This reminds us that we rely on God for our spiritual needs. It reminds us that we need God for our forgiveness. And then lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's what we rely on him to guide us and lead us and navigate us through. The entire Lord's prayer is to remind you and me, we need God for everything. We need God in our lives. Now, I want to ask you, we've spent the past five weeks now talking about prayer. How has your prayer life changed? What efforts have you put into strengthening evaluating, examining, and building your relationship with God. I want to encourage everybody, again, as we've done this before, take advantage of this, this sheltering at home time to spend special time to say, I'm going to strengthen my relationship with God, particularly in my prayer life, to grow into understanding and surrendering and submitting to my need for God in my life. I'm going to come out of this COVID-19 thing stronger and closer to God than when I went in. Submit to God. Say to God, God, take my hand and keep me away from the slippery spots.